You've spent days or even weeks working on that big presentation. Now the day is here. On this episode, how to prepare for success on presentation day. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 159. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. And all of those things come into play when we show up on presentation day to give that important presentation at a conference, to a client, or maybe even internally. And that's why today we are tackling the topic of how to prepare and show up and handle presentation day effectively, regardless of which of those situations you're in. And I'm just thrilled to welcome back to the show David Sparks. David was with us back on episode 119 and had talked about email. Uh, David had written a book back last year on email, and we talked about it extensively, and a lot of people really enjoyed that episode and got a lot of comments about it. And I'm so excited that David has released a new book called Presentations. It's available in the iBookstore for those of you who are Mac and iPhone and iPad people, but you can also get it on his website. And he's here today to really uh, teach us a lot about some of the practical things of what to do to show up on Presentations Day. And uh, as some of you know, David, he's a uh, well-known for being one of the co-hosts on the Mac Power Users podcast, and he's also a practicing attorney here in Orange County. So he has uh, a lot of credibility with a lot of folks in a lot of different places of helping them use technology well. David, welcome back to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks for having me back, Dave. Well, I, I am. I don't. Know, I feel a little guilty. We're both in Orange County, but we're sitting in our you know mutual you know fortresses of solitude. We should be sitting next to each other. I feel like we should do this at a coffee shop or something. Yeah, that would be fun. I've done that before. I did a podcast once in a restaurant. Oh, really? And it was it's great. The waitress started asking us questions in the middle. <laughs> I think some guy some guy walked up and wanted to take a picture. I mean, it was it's just it was completely bizarre. That's awesome. I think we need to do that. I we am, can make that happen. I am all for us creating a bizarre experience for this audience. In fact, we'll just we'll just hang up now and uh roll over to a coffee shop and pick up the interview right. later. <laughs> you know, there's enough of them here in Orange County. That's oh, for sure. I know. You could just throw a stone in any direction and bounce it off three coffee houses. Uh, but, uh, but it's all good. Hey, uh, you know, this is inter- This is a really interesting book because you write about technology a lot. And, and certainly there's a big part of technology in presentations, especially the presentations many of us give today. But a lot of this book is not necessarily about the technology pieces. So I'm, I'm curious, what motivated you to write this book? I, you know, every book that I write is like something I have to get out of my system. And I've watched so many terrible presentations for so long. And I definitely have thoughts about what makes a good presentation. And a good chunk of that, if you're going to be giving a presentation behind you, is technology related. But a similarly big chunk of it, it has nothing to do with technology. And, you know, I, I've been told by people this was a mistake, that I should have written a book just about the technology about it or just about the religion of it. But I wanted to tell a story, and I did. You know, I told the, my story about what makes a good presentation. And it starts with 
planning and figuring out your story. And then it goes through the technology of creating a compelling presentation. And then, you know, the, the ending of that story is presentation day. You need, you can blow it. I mean, you can spend a lot of time making a great presentation and you can blow it on presentation day. Oh my gosh. And I've, I'm sure you've seen it a bunch too, David. I've seen lots of people who show up with this beautiful, amazing presentation and then the technology fails or they're not prepared or the they lose their cool because the schedule isn't running the way it was exactly promised. And, and I've seen some people even do some really unprofessional things and getting up in front of a lot of people. And it's, it's so sad when you see something like that happen. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's two, one of the ways you can blow it on presentation days, just not be ready. And, you know, I, I can't, I don't feel sorry for those people because they, they're big boys and girls and they knew what they were getting into and they showed up unprepared. But when you see someone show up prepared, but they have the wrong connector or they just, they didn't eat anything and they just completely are bouncing off the walls or whatever. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of ways to, uh, to make a big mistake on the last minute. One of the interesting things you highlight in the book, and I, I, I focused on it right away because we've taught people the same thing at Dale Carnegie for years and years in presentation classes, which is you don't want to read a script through a presentation, but you do want to script the opening and the closing. And you say that exact same thing in, in your book, and I, I thought it was really interesting that we, we've zeroed in on the same thing. Why script the opening and the closing? The analogy I like to use is a rocket ship. You know, I grew up watching, you know, NASA and I was just amazed by it. And, you know, when they first started shooting rockets into space, um, it was like a 50-50 chance that the thing was going to get off the launch pad. And this is before they were putting people in it, like early before Mercury. And it's it's amazing to watch these videos of this massive rocket that, you know, they've spent thousands of hours preparing and untold amounts of money and someone pushes a red button and it starts firing off and then it just collapses on itself and explodes. And I think that's a really good analogy for a, you know, a bad start to a presentation. When you, when you stand up there, uh, you've got all this time invested and it's just nerve wracking. Here, I'll tell you one of my secrets is as a, uh, as a lawyer, I've done a lot of trials over the years. Um, the most terrifying moment for me is when I stand up and say to the judge, ready for trial. And the judge says, okay, Mr. Sparks, let's see what you got. And then you have to sit down and then there's little bits of court business that go on until you get to actually start up and, you know, stand up and start giving your presentation or start, you know, examining the witness. And that little lapse period in there is terrifying. And then once I stand up, I just need to get kind of off to the right foot. So going back to my tortured rocket analogy, if you can get the rocket off the pad, it's going to get into outer space. So what's the best way to do that with your presentation? It's to just nail the beginning. And if that means sitting home and writing it out and memorizing it, so be it. In fact, that's what I recommend. I, you know, I recommend the same thing too when I teach classes is don't script the whole presentation, but get that first two or three sentences down. Because like you said, if you, if you have that part if you nail that part, not only does the audience get the attention, but you feel better too. If you, if the first few sentences go great, you're like, okay, it's, it's moving. I'm doing good. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. I, I also recommend that, I guess depending on the context, you also may want to memorize the very conclusion, the very end of it, so it doesn't go out with a whimper. And, and I'll tell you, I, I've, memor- I've always memorized the, the opening comments. Sometimes I get up and wing it anyway because it just seems appropriate. But the fact that I've got that in my back pocket, that I've got the ability that if I get up there and you know the terrors take over, I can just I can do that memorized portion and get myself rolling. Uh, that's good enough. I, I, I've and you've probably seen this too that people give amazing presentations and then they sort of end strangely or or with just something like so. Any questions? And there's not really a clear call to action for the audience. And and you know, a great presentation goes underutilized because the audience doesn't have that that final, what should I do? What do I want to do to take action? Or what's my inspirational message at the end? Agreed. The other thing that um, you, you spend a few pages in the book talking about, and I, I always get asked about this whenever I'm teaching a, a presentations course, David, is people will inevitably zero in on my remote. And because it's a class about presentations, we'll start, <laughs> we'll start talking about it. And a lot of people I find just really have don't have a lot of experience with a lot of the remotes and they'll get into a room either with a remote that they've never used before or they'll they'll bring their own but they're not really comfortable with it what are the kinds of things that people should be considering if they are using slides and using one of these remotes well part of it depends on how you're delivering the slides because in this day and age there's a lot more ways to do it than I mean it used to be you brought in a laptop and you plugged it in and you gave your presentation and now you can give it from your mobile phone, you can give it from your tablet, you can give it from your computer. Um, a lot of presentations I still give from the computer, and I have definite opinions on a remote. <laughs> I've probably thought about it too much. I, <laughs> but to me, there's, there's a couple things you want. The first is uh, you probably want a laser on there, but you don't want to use it too often because uh, it jiggles. You know, It's, it's so such a fine point it's really hard to get a real steady stream with a remote but everybody has these red laser um, remotes and if you look on the visual spectrum red is is actually very close to the area that people can't see you know and there's a reason they call it infrared right Mm. Um, the um, so there's these green laser remotes now that are much more visible and they stand out to an audience much much easier so I wanted to find a, 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 a remote with a green laser. I wanted one with simple buttons. Sometimes you can buy a remote and it's got 12 buttons on it, and that just gives you you know 11 opportunities to press the wrong button. Yep. Uh, so so what, what I recommend is you want one that can go forward, backward, can do a, a laser, and can make the screen dark. And, and one of the techniques I talk about in the book is the dark screen. It, you know, it, It's easy to become... Uh, reliant upon the slides behind you. And there's certain times when you're going to want to connect with your audience and you don't want to give them the out of looking at the screen. I mean, there's certain things where, you know, kind of my heartfelt moment, I want to look in your eye and I want to talk to you. And some people get uncomfortable. And if you give them the slide behind you, they will not make eye contact with you. Uh, so sometimes I get to a point in presentation, I hit that little dark button on the remote and it darkens the screen and that kind of brings everybody back to me. So that, that's all I want. The other thing I want from a remote is something that has got a, an on-off switch because I can't tell you the number of times I've been to a presentation and seen a speaker get up and 
they're all set to go and they get completely frazzled because their remote has dead batteries. And they say, I don't understand. I put new batteries in last night. Well, what happened was they put it in their bag and somehow the laser button got pressed in the bag and it spent the whole night shooting a laser inside its bag and burned up the batteries. The physical on-off switch is really nice because you can make sure it's turned off and also you should carry extra batteries. Frankly, I'm just not a fan of remotes that you charge with a USB cable. I want I want something with double A's that I can, you know, go to any drugstore and buy a couple extra batteries and keep them in my bag. Yeah, I really like that too. Any any particular ones that you recommend or really like these days on the market? Um, the the one I recommend in the book, I, I bought this one a couple of years ago and I've been very happy with it. It's a Kensington Presenter Pro. Um, they've recently updated and it's even better now, but the, the one I have has a the... Um, the dongle that you plug into the computer uh, stores right inside the remote, so it's very much less likely to get lost. And the dongle is actually a two gigabyte um, a thumb drive. So you could put your presentation, you could put your keynote or your PowerPoint on the dongle. So if you show up somewhere and you're using somebody else's computer, you've, you've got the, the presentation right on your remote. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this is a good transition to the next thing I was going to ask you, which is the kinds of equipment that in today's day and age you need to show up with if you are giving a presentation. And let's assume for most people, they do have some sort of slides, PowerPoint or Keynote. Um, I noticed in the book, you have this gigantic toolbox of things that you bring to a presentation. What are some of the key ones that for most people are the things they'd want to have with them? Yeah, that was actually a lot of fun putting in the book. And I'll tell you the inspiration for that was Jack Johnson, who's a, you know, he's a Hawaiian artist. And he recently did an album and I saw a picture where he took all the instruments that he used on the album and he just laid them out in his driveway and had, you know, little explanations of what each one was. And I thought, you know, that's perfect because I was trying to decide how do I get across the stuff I bring. And I have what I call the presentation day toolbox, and I keep it in my trunk when I go give presentations. I don't necessarily bring it in the room with me, but you know, there's all sorts of little things you can show up and need. And for the for the folks in the audience, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I'm sure there's some people out there saying, you know, this guy is such a geek, and I don't need all this junk. And I'm just going to give my presentation. You know, you're a manager. You're not. You have IT people to deal with this, right? Uh, this is one part of your life where I would recommend you put on your propeller beanie cap and just learn how this stuff works because you're going to get somewhere and the person that's supposed to save you is not going to be there. And you've kind of got to be self-sufficient on this stuff. So uh, in the box, I have all the necessary adapters. And in the book, I actually have charts that show, you know, if you show up and they have an HDMI port in the projector and you have a VGA port in your computer, this is what you need to make everything connect. And, and as a presenter, you should be familiar with that stuff. And so in my box, I've got that. I've got things in there like a nice long extension cord because sometimes you show up and they don't have power close by. I've got, you know, then I've got more mundane things like duct tape. You know how useful duct tape is? It just, <laughs> there's no end to it. I've been, uh, I just, just recently I had a trial where I duct taped some cables to the bottom of the council table because everybody was tripping over them. Nice. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's all these little things that you can have. Uh, I don't think you need to carry them with you at all times, but having them available to you can make all the difference. And on presentation day, you know, if you're given a big presentation, you're going to show up early. 
and you're going to get there. And once in a while, things are going to go awry, and they're not going to have the right connector. And you could either freak out, or you could walk out to your car and get the connector and bring it in and just take care of things. And the audience isn't going to fault the IT folks or the conference center. They're going to look at the speaker and say, hey, this guy or gal didn't seem really prepared, even if you weren't the one who was supposed to show up with the equipment. Yeah, even if you did everything right, if, if something goes wrong, it's your, it's your problem. I, had a, I told the story in a book. I gave a presentation once, and I, on my second slide, I heard this popping noise, and the bulb and the projector went out. And, you know, I was out of business at that point. So I had, I talk about how I gave a presentation where I had planned to have all these demonstrative slides. It was a technology talk. So more than ever, I needed the slides and I managed to make it work, but you know, you have to be ready for things to go wrong. Yeah. And that's one of the the things you say in the book is anticipate the technology failures, but also the, just some of the human failures too. I, just thinking about what you said, David, I remember a couple of years ago showing up to a give a workshop for an all day for a group of clients, and I had an audio component of the presentation. I forgot the speakers, and and it was nobody's fault but mine, and thankfully, I was able to make really good friends with one of the IT people, and they happened to have some speakers, um, but, but that was the kind of thing that if I had had that presentation toolbox prepped in advance, I, I, I would have been more ready for it. Um, yeah. And, and stuff yeah. like that happens all the time, either it's us or someone else. And so uh, in addition to the just having the, the toolbox and, and knowing what the tools are, are there are there things that we can do to minimize some of that as far as being prepped for prep for technology failures or not not having the right thing? I think, you know, forewarned is forearmed. So, you know, my little, you know, soapbox speech earlier about hey, you need to learn this stuff, it really stands true. I think if you have an understanding of how things work, it solves so many problems. I've got a, um, a case that's going to be going up in Central California. I live in Orange County, as you know. And so I'm going to be up in Central California for a couple of weeks. And I'm giving presentations, and I've got, I've got all sorts of technology whiz-bang planned for this, this thing. And I called the court clerk today, and, and I was talking to her, and she had no idea what I was talking about. And I was saying, you know, what are the connections on your projector and whatnot? And then I said, well, hey, why don't you just go take a picture of the back of it for me? And she was happy to do that. And she emailed me a picture, and now I know exactly what I'm plugging into. That will allow me to sleep, you know, yeah. <laughs> before I go up there. Because when, you know, you're traveling and you don't have necessarily all of your gear with you, you really want to eliminate as many variables as possible. And that's one of the things I really like that you do in the book is you have these great picture guides for for those who don't know a lot of the names of the different ports. And I'll tell you, David, I don't know about you, but I still find it maddening as much as I know about technology to go to a, a presentation lectern and to see all the different connections and ports that are available. And I, I still find myself plugging things into the wrong port. Um, you In the book, you really go through like all the diagrams. Here's what you need. Here's the cables, everything. So it's a great resource for people who want to really get up to speed on this pretty quickly. Well, it can be really intimidating and add to that the stress and fear and angst that comes with, you know, giving a public presentation and uh, you need to eliminate as much of that as possible. You know, spending some time getting to understand this stuff makes it easier. You know, be an AV geek for a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of angst and nervousness, I think when a lot of us were, kids at least 
I seem to remember having this fear whenever I had to give a presentation at, at school. If it was 10 minutes, I always like, oh my gosh, 10 minutes, that's such a long time to be in front of the class and to have to talk. And it seemed like it was like everything you could do to get off stage as quickly as possible and make it as short as possible, kind of like writing a paper, trying to make it as short as possible. And now as an adult, and I see this in a lot of organizations, that it seems like the opposite is true. People get nervous and they end up talking way longer than they planned. And it takes a lot longer to get out the information than they had anticipated. And they end up going over time. And that's one of the warnings you give in the book is don't ever go over the time you've been allotted by your audience. Why is that so critical? Oh, it's, you have a, it, there's a contract between you and your audience that they are going to give you X minutes of their life and you're going to give them some information or entertain them or otherwise do something for them. And, you know, people's time is quite valuable to them. And if you don't respect that, uh, you're going to have a lot of anger <laughs> out of those people. I mean, I, I've been in sitting in presentations where speakers say, well, you know, I, uh, I know we're supposed to be done now, but I just have another half hour and we'll have everything covered. And I just stand up and walk out. I mean, it's just, uh, we all have things to do. And whether it's your employees or your coworkers or your bosses, um, you know, there's, a, there's this constant pressure of time. So if you break that contract, I think it's a failure on your behalf. And uh, if you have to give information and you know you have 30 minutes to give it, then you know what, spend the time, make sure you get it out in 30 minutes. There's so much in this book we're not hitting on today. And one of the things is if you ever wanted to learn about Apple's program Keynote, um, David does a really brilliant job of putting all the key elements here in the book. And so those of you who are Mac people, you'll definitely want to check it out for that. I'm curious, what would be the one thing, when you think about all the things that are in the book, the one thing that you'd want people going into their next presentation doing differently? Uh, the first one is think about your presentation in terms of a story. I mean, the, the, so often people get up there and just kind of barf out a bunch of words and information and the audience is not invested and it's a complete failure. And, and I think if you start thinking about your presentations as storytelling, if you can figure out a way, you know, an angle to tell your next presentation as a story where it has a beginning and a middle and an end, and your audience, even if it's your coworkers and employees or whatever, can get invested in what you're trying to share with them, um, you're going to have a, a much more attention from them and you're going to have a, a much more power to get your point across and, and to bring them along with you wherever you're going. So tell a story. And, and that is hard work. It's not easy. You don't just wake up and give it. You have to give it some thought. So tell a story is number one. Number two is... Your slides are not your script. And I know this has been said a million times, and every book that, that's worth its salt starts out with that statement. But nevertheless, more often than not, I see people get up and they put a slide on the screen with 12 points and bullets and unreadable fonts, and they turn around, they turn their back to me, and they start reading. And it just amazes me that people still do that in 2014. David Sparks is the author of Presentations. You can get it on the iBookstore or also his website, maxsparky.com. I'll have links in the show notes. David, thank you so much for your wisdom on this. I know it's given me things to think about, and I hope it's given a lot of things for our audience to think about too. 
Thank you, Dave. It's much appreciated, and thanks for everything you bring to us. Okay, true story. I recorded this conversation with David about three to four weeks before it's airing here on this episode, and I'm not kidding. The next morning, I was giving a presentation with my Dale Carnegie colleagues at our kind of annual strategy meeting, and I always do most of my presentation work on one of my desktop machines in our home office, and I then take my laptop on the road anytime I'm out working with clients or presenting. And so I had finished this big presentation I'd been working on for many weeks and kind of finished up the last few pieces the night before, saved everything, and the next morning grabbed my laptop, went off to the meeting. I'm a third of the way through my presentation with all my colleagues, and all of a sudden the slides aren't there anymore. And I realized as soon as it happened, that I had never opened up my laptop for it to sync to Dropbox, which is how I get all my files shared across my devices. And it had an old version of the slide deck from when I had been working on it a week prior. And it was uh, it was a pretty embarrassing moment. I, I, I like to think I would have checked that if I had been actually out with clients presenting. Thankfully, it was just my colleagues. And I can assure you we had a pretty good laugh about the fact that I had the night before recorded a a, pres- a conversation about presentation prep. So, you know, two lessons there. One is always check the file. I'm going to be checking the, all the slides in the file every time before I get on a computer in the future. And secondly is there just are so many variables when it comes to presentation day of things to be ready for and to check. And I, I think just having a checklist for yourself and and checking out this book that David's written is a, is a wonderful resource that really covers almost every base around presentation prep, not only the day of, but leading up to it. And speaking of which, uh, you'll, you'll be, I think, happy you listen to the end of the episode here because uh, I have a special giveaway from David and from the folks at Apple. The book that David's released, Presentations, which we've been talking about on this episode, is currently listed for $10 on the iBookstore. Uh, David has been very kind to share some giveaway codes with me that uh, are available for you in the Coaching for Leaders community to get access to the book for free. So I have 11 of those to distribute to the Coaching for Leaders community. And so um, here's what you want to do if you're interested in getting one of those codes uh, for a free copy of David's book in the iBookstore is go on to the show notes for this episode. That's at coachingforleaders.com slash 159. Uh, with one of or two, one or two things or one of these two things, either uh, tell us one thing you've gained from this conversation that you'll use the next time you're going into presentation day or uh, tell us something that you could add to the conversation that we didn't talk about. So again, something you gained that you'll use or something that we didn't talk about that you think presenters should also check and be prepared for on presentation day. And I will just take the first 11 comments that show up on the show notes and I will email you personally one of those codes and a very special thank you to David and to 
to the folks at Apple for providing those. Uh, one note that if you're not uh, on a Mac or in the Apple ecosystem with an iPad or something like that, uh, you can still get the book from David's website, but the code won't do you any good. So uh, make sure you've got a Mac or an iPad or something you can use the iBookstore on. And uh, I hope to I hope to hear your comments and additions. That's at coachingforleaders.com slash 159. If your comment or question is not specifically related to this show, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the place to leave it. And a reminder, in two weeks, the next Q&A show is coming up. It's going to be episode number 161. Uh, Q&A welcome on any topic, but the specific focus of the show is going to be on difficult conversations. So if you find yourself running into situations on a regular basis where you struggle with something around conversations and getting a message across or running into obstacles with others, or maybe it's just something you run into occasionally, but it is a big sticking point for you that you find you run into, um, I'd really like to hear your feedback and your question. And we'll, Bonnie and I are going to put our heads together and look for the best resources to be able to be of assistance to you. So again, that's episode 161. Get in your comments at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback or questions rather, and we will definitely consider them. Hey, I want to say thank you to a few people this week who subscribed to the weekly update. Uh, not a whole bunch of folks this week because I'm actually uh, recording this show early because I'm going to be in uh, Chicago the week prior to this airing. But I do want to thank Susie Soras, Andre Norbin. Jeff Jamison and Brown Avard. Thank you so much for subscribing to the weekly update in the last couple of days. The weekly update goes out every Wednesday and it includes the show notes for every episode I air here on Mondays. And it also includes an article from me each week. And of course, always the links, everything that David and I talked about today are always included in that email. So if you'd like to get that, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll get that on Wednesdays as well. In addition, you'll also receive my guide to the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including two of them that I rely on weekly. So if you're looking for ways to improve your leadership through your own study and reading. It's a great place to start. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And I do also want to thank this week, El Camarda Tapatio. I hope I said that right from Mexico. Thank you so much for the very kind review you left on the store in iTunes about the show. And I'm so glad that the show has inspired you as well to look into podcasting. Congratulations. And thank you to all of you out there who have left reviews about the show on iTunes or Stitcher in the past. I'm just so grateful for all the kind words people have left all around the world. And it's so inspiring and motivating to keep this show going in great ways. So if you'd like to leave a review as well, about the show, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher is the way to do it. And I'll talk to you again in a week. Take care.